I can't compete with that. Um, <laughs> Name the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Um, apologies, I'm lower energy, but um, I'm trying to figure out what to do in 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 the 40 minutes. Um, I had notes, but I'm also was already hesitant about them, um, of how to use them. So I think what I want to do um, is rather than give the talk I was going to give, I was going to talk about constancy, um, but um, I'm not. Um, instead, I think what I'm going to do is I want to use some of the questions you guys have in the Q&A's, very specific ones, um, with the point of not just to, to give an answer per se, as much as to point out, because what I've been trying to focus on is the way of thinking, right, is to point out what in a question, um, the way of thinking behind the question, right, to help you understand why the question has arrived, because questions show how we think, um, the way that we formulate it, just to get back to some of these principles, because it's these principles that I think that people are struggling with in their spiritual lives that lead them to asking these questions. So I think a, a better place might be that, and if it sucks, my apologies in advance. Um, so again, the focus is not just on answering the question, it's more to point out what you were thinking that led you to ask the question. And I'm prefacing by saying I'm obviously assuming um, and that you might not have meant the question the way that I'm interpreting it, so please do not be personally scandalized if I misunderstood you. It's a blanket, um, I might not have understood it, but we'll use it either way. So for example, <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jacob. Why do good people go through, through so many trials in life? How do you not lose faith in God if you and your family always have to battle such bad circumstances? Right, so again, I'm trying to use these to say, well, what is the way of thinking that leads to the question? Right, because the, the background thinking of a question like that is, if why do good people go through so many trials in life, then the assumption is good people aren't supposed to. Right, like that's a starting place as an assumption, I'm assuming. Um, how do you not lose faith in God means, because if God were worthy of faith or trust, I wouldn't have difficulties, right? Otherwise, that also wouldn't be a question if you didn't have that expectation. Um, and then third, if you and your families always have to battle such bad circumstances, which suggests that me and my family shouldn't battle bad circumstances, right? Those are, those are the premises, right? So the first question needs to be, where did I come up with the idea? And again, I'm not saying any of this like sarcastically, right? Why, why do I think good people won't have problems? I'm trying to apply some of the things that we talked about. Is there anywhere where in my relationship with God or people's relationship with God in the history of mankind that God said, stick by me, you'll never have a problem? Nowhere. Right? I can think of a, a bunch of verses off the top of my head that say the opposite. Many are the tribulations of the righteous, specifically of the righteous. <laughs> right? Um, they hated me, they will hate you also. Right? There's, there's not anything I can think of that I'm like, 
It's going to be so sick. It's going to be so amazing. No one's ever going to be upset. Everyone's going to love you. It, was, it wasn't that. So, and the reason I'm pointing these out again is not to be like, here's why your thinking is off, but I'm saying that if we're talking about a relationship with someone, and then someone happens to be God, so I get, I get actually the position of he's sovereign, which is also, I think, part of why this question is coming, right? Um, but I'm saying, but why did I think that about him? So then the real question becomes, because part of it is, how do I trust God? Which is like, what, did you think God is the one who gives you the trial? Or did you think that God is a special magical force field around the trial? Both are probably incorrect. Kind of. One of them is less incorrect. But if I understand God properly, then it's like, okay, God is not walking around handing out problems to people. Right? God is not going to come and be like, let me think of what I can do to really bother this person. Right? Where do problems come from? People. Specifically, what aspects of people? Decisions and decisions start right here. So, when I start to recognize that decisions matter, right? And that decisions don't only affect myself, they affect other people then how I approach a situation now changes, right? Then it becomes not will there be problems, it becomes how do I respond to problems, right? And that's where we plug into gospel, identity, all the stuff that we were talking about yesterday, right? Of saying, well, where does this fit into purpose, right? Again, I'm just trying to do application, like that's why I'm, I'm, I'm going through some of these. Because if I start to recognize that, then what I'm going to talk to God about will now be different. Because I think this affects every single layer of my relationship with God. Because if I think that God is the reason for why my life sucks, and why me and my family are going through so many problems, obviously I'm not going to be coming at God with warm hugs. I'm coming at God with an accusation. Which means that my prayer is going to suck, because I'm in a conflict with God. Right? Not that conflict is always wrong, but my starting point in the conversation is like, what's wrong with you? Right? Where are you? Why are you like that? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not fixing this thing? As though that was the right expectation. That's why I'm going through this. Right? Whereas, if I then take it and look back at God and say, well, God, who are you? I might be pleasantly surprised to find I'm with the God who suffers. Right? So suddenly, I'm with the God who had a lot of family issues. Right? He was born in poverty. He was born in scandal. Forgive me, it's something we're comfortable talking about. Not most people believe that it was a virgin birth. Right? It was. That's not what most people thought. That's why Joseph wanted to divorce, to cut off the engagement. I was saying, this looks really bad. Right? She's pregnant. We're not married. What are the people going to say? In fact, there's even uh, a thought that one of the reasons why there was no room, when they went to Bethlehem, in Mediterranean culture, the expectation is that you stay with the family. If any of you have gone back to Egypt, like that, hotel right? Like that's the custom. You have to stay with the family. But they're not with their family, and they're going to the birthplace of their family. There's, there's some thought that they were rejected because of the Virgin Mary's pregnancy before marriage, 
right, that it was scandalous. So there's scandal, there's poverty. Then what? The refugees, right? They now go to another country. That's not comfortable, right? Then after they're done killing everybody off because they're trying to get rid of, of him, right, they go back. And he doesn't have an easy life. He's not living top class. I don't know if you know this, but the Lord was lower class than the apostles. The apostles at least had access to food. The main currency in Mediterranean culture was food. Money was second. Right? Your access to food was first. If you had food and were rich, bonus. Right? And that's why most of the rich people owned land. So they were set because they had both. Right? People who were in the trades, carpenters, smiths, all of those, they were among the lowest class because people could only spend money if they had it. So their access to food was based on whether other people were rich enough. So it was, he was actually a, a, a whole lower class than them. So he financially was going through hardship, socially was going through hardship. If you pay attention to gospel, and again, I'm trying to connect you to all the different principles. If I'm reading the Bible asking, who are you? You'll notice other interesting happen things happening in scripture. Like his family doesn't like him, right? In his hometown, it says they were so annoyed that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Not many of us get that response out of our families, even if we feel it. Um, but they physically wanted to go through with it, right? Where you get these other glimpses where his, where his relatives are saying, you should go to Jerusalem, which sounds like a nice idea at first, and then it explicitly says, they said this not because they believed in him, right? It was, it was, it was the complete opposite. It was with sarcasm. It's with like, yeah, let's see how you do out there, buddy, right? We know who you really are. So all of this is linking to one question to say, when I'm talking to God, am I talking to him saying, how dare you? Or I'm saying, what was that like? I'm going through this now with family. How do I go through this with family? Right? Now I'm talking to a who, not a what, not an it. Right? Now I have a little bit more information about the one with whom I'm speaking. Right? Because if I've come into the question or the prayer with why is this happening as though somebody owed me it, right? Specifically God, my whole tone changes if I find out that my assumption was incorrect because we're in a real relationship with somebody, right? Um, so then the next question becomes, okay, so what do I do with my bad circumstance? And then it becomes very objective. What does the gospel say? If someone slanders you, what is the source of, 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 your, of, your, of your angst? Is someone slandering you? Is someone taking something from you? Is someone demanding something from you? Is somebody suing you for something? Because all of those are explicitly answered in the gospel. And Christ's answer is, let them have it. Give it to them. Because your life doesn't come from material. Material dies. Spirit doesn't die. If you live in spirit, I give you life in spirit. And so then, and I'm trying to connect everything to reality, not just theory. It's like, yeah, that's nice. Right? But then take a look at, again, the Lord. He followed through with what he said. And so he really actually let them 
let them, and he had every authority to stop it if he wanted, he let them kill him. So if your response is like, yeah, so much for that, right? You're like, you, you give me life. If it ended with that, it's like, okay, good story, bro. Right? But at the end, he died. But the end wasn't he died. The end was actually he rose. That's not normal. Okay? So now, if that's not normal, then it's like, well, how did that happen? Well, now it's tied to because that guy is really who he said he is. He's not some guy. He's God. Right? Now, I actually can see evidentially that there is power over death. And then, and then if I know all of that, then it makes my question become more ridiculous, and the question is not ridiculous, that's what I'm saying, but if I understand it, right, of being like, I'm going at the guy who conquered death and saying, how dare you tell me to die and rise? Said differently, that's what I'm saying. Right, I'm like, well, why not? Wouldn't it be sick to die and rise and this has nothing to do with you and like you've created a problem that you don't have, right? You, you've created a problem that isn't real because it's part of your fictitious world in the world that you made up, again, to plug it into concepts because I never invented money. You guys invented money. And then you tortured everybody else with it, right? I never wanted there to be rich people and poor people. That's why I said give to everybody. That's why I said till the earth and subdue it. You guys made it up. So then don't make it up and then drag me into your system and hold me accountable for your system. My system, again, if you want to ask who I am because I made it and I made it for you, plug it into the narrative, is a fun. It's all yours. That was it. You guys made it complicated. Right? And we did. So, so I mean, if, you, if you don't get into the, the, the root concepts right, of, of an idea, then you're only living in theory, right? And if you're only living in theory, like, as we can see from a lot of these, you'll, you're gonna have a lot of angst, right? Like, you're just gonna, you're gonna be unfulfilled. How do you know if your suffering is a result of your free will or results of God's allowance for a greater purpose, right? So this is another way of getting to know God, right? This is starting with a different level of assumption, which is also very good, right? Um, this is acknowledging that I have a role in what happens to me, which is good, right? This is an, another place. Um, and then, or a result of God's allowance for a greater purpose. So then the question becomes, what does it mean when God's allowing? Right? So what do I mean when I ask that? Is God's allowing that God did it or God's permission? And I think the person who's writing this, I assume, gets that. Um, is saying that my non-intervention can mean something. Which is a very nice concept. It shows that whoever's writing this does have a, a different concept of God, which is nice. Right? Which is them using another place to meditate on who is God. That's my point. Right? Who is God? Who am I? How do we interact? What can I know about him and me? Right? It's saying, do you intervene yourself? I'm not saying that this is exactly how God thinks, but just because you're in the image and likeness of God, sometimes our way of knowing God is by reflecting on ourselves. It's a very flawed way, but it can do something. But do we as humans in general intervene every time someone does something wrong? 
What is your reaction when everyone calls you out on every wrong that you do? Right? Does a parent, like, even, like, it's, it's easy because we're less defensive when we talk about little kids. You've probably seen little kids who are being cute sneaky, right? Where they, they, they think they're hiding something and it's horrifically badly done, right? Where it's like, I, I, I know you slapped your sister, right? Like, and I'm like, oh no, it was the chair, um, right? But let's say they, he knocked his sister out, okay? And he broke the vase, right? And he wet his bed last night. Does the parent necessarily address every single one at that instant, all of them all together? Not necessarily, right? So God as parent does not always intervene, right? Or let's say it's like I see that one of my kids is learning from having to deal with the fact that they lie. Right? So I have a child who lies all the time, and now his sibling is calling him out. Right? Of being like, well, I can't even believe you because you're a liar. Right? Now, is it right for the one sibling to call the other sibling a liar? No, it's not. Might the parent be silent in that moment about the judgment of one child that also needs addressing? Right? Because if that child persists in his or her judgment nature, that's gonna catch up for sure too, right? Or might I be like, what's your answer? You're in a real situation because you actually really lied, right? So could there be something that God allowed in the sense of just letting it slide for greater purpose? Yes, right? Yes, that's definitely possible. Is that the only reason, though, that God might not intervene? And that's where, again, we now want to look at the record of the history of God's interaction in real time with real people. And that's where you're going to see all sorts of different stories, right? You'll see stories where God intervened on some places like that right in the moment. You'll see situations where God said absolutely nothing, right? You'll see cases where it's like, yeah, I let the Babylonians take you over. I moved the king of Persia's heart. You'll see another story where it's like, why do you think it's me? I have nothing to do with this. This is all you. Right? They all exist because God's a real being. Right? So then it now becomes, so where do I plug into these when you're trying to find an answer to this? Is there something that I know that I did? If so, just own it. Right? Because the history, the record shows that even if I made a mistake, it doesn't mean that God's monumentally angry with me. Right? In the in the story, I like overusing the story, but Jacob, just because it's it's a good story. Jacob monumentally conned his dad. It was messed up, right? Like it was really messed up what he did. He lied. He deceived. He like glued fake hair to his arms, right? Like that's weird, right? Like he went all out, and his mom was in on it, right? It was wrong. God was never like, yeah, that's the way, bud. No. But his own punishment, the own consequence, not God being like, here's what's going to happen. It's like, well, now, now you're going to have to, like, like, this is the consequence. You're fleeing your brother. I'm not making Esau hate you. You do that on your own. Right? Esau has every reason not to like you. Right? Now you're a refugee with your uncle, and your uncle's a tricky man. 
I didn't make your uncle a tricky man, and now you're dealing with someone like yourself, right? And Jacob outconned Uncle Laban. Um, but God was like, okay, Kefayek, like what you went through, right? You're, you're already dealing with it. And, and Jacob was blessed even with what he was in, right? And as Jacob matured, and he did, right, kind of, um, Jacob reconciles, right? That there's a fixing to the issue. There's still an ownership of the issue, right? Again, I'm using these, again, not just to be as a, as a Q&A, as much as to say, what are my thoughts in it, right? But then if you also pay attention to different stories, it's like, well, what is the person's receptivity to God? Because the capacity in which God would be relating and talking to any of these individuals has everything to do with how much they were willing to interact with God. Right? If you look, for example, at Cain and Abel, Cain murders his brother. If you pay close attention to the story, God never cast any judgment ever on Cain. Only Cain did. All, all God said was, where is your brother Abel? His blood cries out. Cain's like, all right, kill me. Right? And God's like, what that escalated. Um, I didn't say anything about killing you. Right? No, I know, I know, just kill me. Everyone's going to want to kill me. Is it killing you is the issue? Well, I'll mark you so no one kills you. God did the exact opposite. Like, that's your main concern? No, I'll mark you. Anyone who kills you requires this money in return, and that's a big no-no. No one's going to do that. You're fine. If that's your main How does God deal with us, right? So I'm saying these stories are now not just stories. And why am I also using these stories to say when you're reading the Bible, do you think about any of those things, right? Like, are you are you getting into the characters, right? Because one of the best ways to go through the Bible is to jump in truly. Who's God here? Who are these characters? What are they thinking? What are they going through? If I were in this situation, what would I be thinking, right? Look up stuff, right? I didn't look up what a Pharisee really was until I was a priest, right? We've grown up our whole lives talking about Pharisees, and I'm like, I actually have no clue what they are other than that they're supposed to be hypocrites, right? When, it found, when I found out what they are, I'm like, oh man, that's actually kind of neat. How did they go bad? Because the idea behind it was brilliant, right? The, the idea behind a Pharisee was very well-intended and a very good idea, and actually, most of the people loved Pharisees. They were actually like the people's guys, Right? So link in to find out what it is, to be like, okay, who is God? Is this how he's dealing? And then and that will now inform, again, I'm trying to, to give you tips on how to approach spiritual life, right? Is that maybe you don't know which one God's doing. Maybe you don't know if there's something you're doing. But then these things that you know, whether it's these from the Bible, lies of the saints, whether it's, it's, it's a, a lesson from a sermon that you heard because somebody has experience with God said it, is that that might now inform your conversation, your dialogue, your prayer with God by saying, God, I'm not sure what's going on here. I know you're good and I know you're merciful. I don't know if this is one of those leave it to human will things. I don't know if there's something you want me to learn. I don't know if there's something I, I'm actually doing that I have no idea, right? I don't know if this is to save someone else, right? That you're saying, can you endure it because you have a higher 
capacity for suffering than someone else to save your sibling. These are all different ways that God might be doing it, being like, is I accept, um, I, what I'm struggling with right now, Dad, is the how to accept, or the uncertainty, I'm worried that I'm upset, like, you get to be real, right? Then you actually have something to actually have a conversation about that's not fake, right? That's now rooted in reality, that actually have real answers to it, that now if you're participating in the life of Christ in different ways, he now has doors through which to speak to you. And then when you start hearing God, then you're like, oh man, it's real. And then it becomes on another level of meaning. I won't spend too much time on this other one, but it, again, it draws out some of the points. There is a Bible verse that says, God will never give someone hardships beyond what they can handle. How is this the case for people who have committed suicide? So that's a good question. Now the question becomes, is that what actually was said? Right? What's actually said, and I believe it's Corinthians 10, 13. Um, I'm not so good with my verses, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Is there is no trial that has taken man that comes from God that he does not either give an escape or the grace to bear. It's not saying that every single trial that is in existence comes from God and that therefore it is. Because if that's what I think, then of course I'm going to be like, well, actually, So if what I think is that every trial is from God, and the reason I'm highlighting this question is that I'm going to really hate God, right? Because it's just like God is the one setting me up. And then the claim is he either gives me grace or an escape. Clearly, I can't handle it. So either I pathetically suck or he's not coming through, but both suck, right? But it's saying that where God is involved is either escape or grace, which is very comforting. Very comforting because he's saying, I'm, it's the complete opposite of the disposition of most of us when we ask this question. I'm saying, Habibi, you can even say no to me. That's what he's actually saying. I'm saying, you're allowed to say to me, Dad, I can't take it anymore. That's really nice. Right? It's, it's, it's the complete opposite of how most of us use that verse. We use the nice verse to yell at him. Right? Like, how dare you? It's like, I said either leave or I'll give you help. Right? But then the question becomes a better question, again, to link it to how do I live, becomes, Lord, I feel like this one might be from you. Why do I think that? Ask all the questions. Does this actually look like that? Is there an actual answer to it? And if the answer becomes more and more clear, yes, this might be from God, Right? Then it becomes, okay, so why would I say no to it? There might be a situation to say no, but if I know it's from him, and I know there's going to be help in it, why would I say no? Right? Like, I've got Master of the Universe saying, I'm teaming up with you. That's a really good teaming. I'm not going to lose. Right? Because I'm, it's, I was playing spike ball in Vancouver, and I suck. Right, so thankfully, I was partnered with somebody who was really good. I, I didn't have to do anything. I just had to serve. Right, I'm like, take it away. 
right? Like, it's a great pairing. I will always win, right? Because then if that's the case, and it's like, okay, then if God is actively involved, that should be more exciting. Now I get to have an experience that I get to actually call real with God. Most people complain that they don't have that, right? Now it's like, okay, cool, I'm actually doing something with God. What happens now? Right? Then I might plug into the different stories and be like, I wonder if this was like what it was like when this person went through this, or this person went through this, or this person went through this. Right? Like I might look at Joseph and be like, Man, like it really sucks that you got thrown in prison for not sleeping with your master's wife. And then suck double when you're in prison and the dude that you hooked up completely forgot you. Right? That's not a fun life. Right? But something happens in his, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. Like, I don't know how this works, but we'll do it. Right? That 10 chapters later, right? He's like, yeah, you meant it for evil and God used it for good. That was now a statement he's making that we now quote as this, like, like clap on the back. Joseph was saying this from the heart. Right? Through real living experience, Joseph's like, man, like, no, you really, like, you wanted to kill me. Like, that's a fact. Right? But somehow, God took that and completely transformed it, that a whole nation and all of its surroundings got saved. Me and you guys got reunited. Dad's happy. We're like, like this is crazy. Like, look at what God did. Right? It's now something real. And now that guy, when somebody goes to him in Sunday school, which they didn't have back then, right? We're like, let me tell you, right? And it's, it's real, right? It's not like, yeah, there's this verse that I once read and I wouldn't do that, I put it in a sermon. Um, and it's just this distant like thing that holy people said, right? That you, that you throw at people. Now you have living experience based on who God really is and based on who you really are and how you guys really interact with one another. I'll do one more. I hope this hasn't been a waste of time for you guys, but I'm just trying to use these to change how we think, because if we can do that, we really will love him more. He couldn't possibly love us more, right? It's us that will, that will love him more. I'll end with this one because it's a, it's a good one to answer and a good one to, to plug in everything we talked about. How do you learn to hate this sin even if you enjoy it? And there's a specific example, but I'll ignore the specific, ignore the specific example for now. We can get into that particular one in the Q&A tomorrow. But um, this is a great question, right? So this is, again, a different starting point. I was saying, I know that I should, and I want you to, I, like, I like doing this exercise with, with people. I know we already explained it. To practice substituting the word faith for trust, love for choosing, hate for not choosing. Just to practice understanding what they really mean, right? So how do you learn to not choose the sin, even if you enjoy it? And the reason I want to replace the word is because, because we associate the word hate with only the emotional, we sometimes think if we don't emotionally hate something, that we're not there yet, right? Whereas the actual ask from me to start with is to just not choose it, 
right? I may or may not quickly or ever arrive at truly from the heart disliking it. And that's okay, right? So then the question here becomes, why am I supposed to not choose it? Right, so I think put it, plug it into the concept. Because this is something that most people struggle with all the time when they want to do stuff. Right, it's like, why am I not allowed? And we treat it like we talked about the other night as the allowed part, right? And that's what I'm saying because of your identity, right? It's saying, why am I not allowed to breathe through my lungs? Water, sorry, through my lungs? You're definitely not to breathe through your lungs? Because your lungs don't do that. You might be so distressed about that. No problem. But you can't. Right? I mean, you can. But then you, you suffocate. Right? That's what's also true about sin. So then it becomes, is God saying, don't do that because he doesn't like me? No. Is he saying, don't do that because it irritates me? No. He's saying that's against your nature. That's why it doesn't make sense. There's no question about permission, right? It's like, that's why St. Paul says, I can do whatever I want. All things are lawful for me. Not all things are expedient, beneficial. And beneficial isn't a random standard. Beneficial is image and likeness, right? So it becomes, okay, is this, is this a good idea? Now, if I have that as my mentality, right? So, for example, like, then I start asking, well, what are things, right? Why is it unhealthy to eat Carl's Jr.? We don't have that in Canada, or do we? Um, McDonald's, the big double arches, five times a day. Why can't I have four meals of 20 nuggets a day, which are delicious? Because cholesterol is real. Your arteries are real, okay? Lethargy is very real. Obesity is very real. Calories are real. Energy is real. And so there's something really happening. And because it's really happening, having that that many times a day is not a good idea. That's why there are some things that are not always wrong. There are some things that are intrinsically wrong, right? Eating is not wrong. Gluttony, eating nonstop, way beyond your caloric intake, is wrong, right? They're two different things. If it's always wrong to eat, then it's always wrong to eat, but it's not always wrong to eat, right? So then how do we find it out? By coming back to what things are, right? Now, let's say I'm somebody who loves McDonald's seven times a day instead of Igbeya, um, and so now I would like to embrace health. Great. Right now, does that mean I need to pretend as I pursue health? Oh, I hate nuggets anyway. You don't, right? And that's not the issue, right? Would it be easier for you to eat healthy if you hated nuggets? Sure, you just don't, right? I I, I hate those people. I don't choose those people. Um, but I might, I might, as I get healthier get excited by the consequence of health. I might, right? And I might be like, like this happened to me in real life, I was actually really sad when it happened, not happy, when I had cut out fast food at one point. Um, and I'm like, I can't deny that I, I feel better, right? And then the first time that I had like 
junior chicken um, after it, I actually not only, I felt a little bit sick and it was kind of gross. And I'm like, there's for sure hormones in it because even though it was gross in the moment, like the next day I wanted it. Um, I'm like, no, but I still want it. Um, and I'm, con I'm convinced there's something in the fries. But um, I had come to a place where I didn't prefer it, right? My reintroduction of it brought it right back, right? And so what was more important is to just keep not choosing it, right? So that I either develop a habit of not choosing it or if I come to a place to, not, to also not like it, Awesome, right? How many, I mean, I'm, sort of, I'm not gonna ask it because people are gonna be like, yeah, I do. Not most people love the treadmill or crunches. Most people love what they do. But very few people are like, yes, like this is what it's at. There's a, there's a few, right? The majority do not, right? And it's like, but you do it anyway. So if I equate, my doing with my liking, I'm not gonna get anywhere, right? Then your whole, your whole life is based on what you like today and not so arbitrary, right? So again, to plug into the concept, it becomes question number one, is there a should? And if you wanna go deeper, what created the shoulds, right? And so it becomes, okay, the should is objective, so that's where it is, there's already an answer to that. Now, if there's a should not, then I will not choose. Right, regardless of my feelings. There is no answer to that, no problem. Right, then I'm in safe ground, like we said the other day. Now it becomes, what is expedient? Right, all things are lawful, all things are expedient. What's the most expedient for me in my situation? And believe it or not, you will often be allowed to do what you like. Right, there's an assumption that you'll never will. Right, the reality is, yeah, you, you, you really will. Um, then your struggle, I'll end with that, because the last part of it is that even if you enjoy it, if you'll start to learn about yourself, why did I, this if you want to get really deep, why did I enjoy it? Right? What was it about it that made me glad? Right? Because those are, those are the most telling for your state of health. Right? Because you might like something good and you might like something really bad. Right? And so then it becomes, well, what was going on there? Because then now, the pursuit of health is even more clear, which could be very exciting if you want health. Like, ah, it's this, it's right here. Right? Like, and, and then you might even be able to find out, because if God created it, something, if you want to get really, really deep, well, what's the right way to use that enjoyment? Because there might be a really good way for it. Right? Or being like, okay, maybe my, my pleasure is coming from that somebody affirmed me. Right? That somebody said something positive to me. That can be totally healthy if that's rooted in Christ. Christ said, love others as you love yourselves. There's a proper way to love yourself. But is it rooted in Christ, right, as, as, as the source of it? Because then you might be able to be like, what a pleasant experience, and no one talks like that anymore. Um, what a sick experience. Um, 
where like we just like each other, right? Or it might be my actual pleasure here came from we just character assassinated that person and that's what I was waiting for, right? Then it's like I'm very sick, right? That there's something definitely wrong <laughs> where my joy comes at the expense of a character assassination, right? Which deals with the example given in the actual question of like, like gossip, right? Where my enjoyment came from tearing apart another human being, right? Of killing them, right? Taking their reputation, the symbol of their personhood, their name, the symbol of who they are and saying, kill it. It's very violent, right? Which might make you then realize when you go to confession of saying, when I'm looking at the Ten Commandments, if I'm looking at them, of thou shalt not kill, I killed. I didn't take a gun, but I did. The gun was my mouth, right? And I character assassinated somebody. I shot them down to as many bullets as I can. What's the treatment, right? Now, and again, I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you how far anything can go if I'm thinking about the right things, right? Then that might make me at that point say, this is how I'm gonna stop judging other people because that's not healthy. Because now I can look at myself and say, why am I looking at the serial killer with contempt when I am a serial killer too? I murder everyone. I want everybody's reputation to be killed at my expense, right? And for no real gain, right? Like, like, like that's all it is. And then I become, somehow through my mistake to tie it to, I can learn good from my evil, I was saying, and now I'm learning to love everybody, everybody, even the serial killer. And then I'll be like, is this God how you love us? Is that how you're able to look at me and my brother, the serial killer, and love both of us? Because you see that me and my brother are both very ill. And your desire is our healing, not our death. Then love him more. Right? Because then suddenly it becomes, why is there a serial killer? Do you see how it all links? It becomes, oh my goodness, there's a serial killer. Thank God dad loves us. Right? It becomes a completely different worldview. I'll stop there. It's nine so we can, um, uh, I know we lost track of the timing for the confessions. Um, I hope that was helpful. Tomorrow we'll do um, uh, more of the Q&A. So the link that you guys received before um, I believe is still active, um, and we can take a look at some of those. Thank you guys for your patience, and sorry again for the low energy. Inshallah, tomorrow will be uh, nice and peppy. Um,